I, I think that the biggest challenge generally in a, in a startup is that um, it doesn't always go up. Hello and welcome to the Startup Stories Podcast, the show for people looking for startup inspiration and learnings that they can apply to their own ideas and businesses. I'm your host, Daniel, and on this podcast, I am all about uncovering the challenges and learnings of early stage founders to help more people get into entrepreneurship. In this episode, I interview Patrick Scheer, the co-founder of Selma Finance, a digital platform that helps you invest money the right way with a never-before-seen minimum investment amount of just 2,000 Swiss francs. The platform offers online solutions and services starting at only 1 franc 20 cents per month and opens up the investment world to people who cannot afford a pricey face-to-face consultation with a private bank. So people like you and I. Welcome, Patrick. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. So awesome. You've had a good day today? Yes. I'm All right. pretty satisfied, yes. Pretty yeah. <laughs> That's good. Productive day? Uh, well, I had produ- more productive ones, but I, I think what I did was, um, was, was, was fine. Yes. was fine. Okay, cool, cool. Could you maybe start by telling us and our listeners more about you? Who are you and what startup are you doing? Mm-hmm. I'm uh, Patrick. Uh, I'm one of the founders of Selma Finance. Uh, Selma Finance is a digital advisor that helps you to invest your money uh, in the right way. So maybe first I can uh, tell a little bit about, about myself. Uh, I grew up on a, on a mountain, so I'm a mountain boy from uh, the mountain of, uh, of Rigi. I uh, didn't really think that I'm going to be a startup entrepreneur at any time. I had a, a classic a classic banking career. I did a bank apprenticeship uh, at Luzerne Cantonalbank and then I used to work in different places in, in banking, in VZ and in a private bank in Zurich. Then a little bit before 30, I wasn't sure if banking is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then I went to uh, study in Copenhagen at Copenhagen Business School that's nice. and uh, that's also where I got uh, in, st- uh, in touch with startups for, for the first time. I used to work there as an advisor in a startup bootcamp and helped startups with uh, finance and like creating their business plans and everything, finding investors and things like that. First, I figured out that um, finance is very different for a startup. It's a bit different to do business plans for them because a lot of the figures are maybe not that set in stone yet. And also, I saw that those startups, they had a a totally different approach to to work. Also, to work uh, with with clients and to focus what, what clients want and what they need, not so much focusing on themselves. So um, coming from, from, from Swiss banking, uh, where you have this, I think, huge projects uh, with external consultants that are very expensive. And then you figure out it doesn't really work. It was a, a very different approach than the uh, startups did there. Also, well, everything was very open. 
And I, I think I started to notice that uh, quite a lot of things I, I saw in banking so far that they went, uh, that they went wrong. Then, um, long story short, first uh, we started another, another startup that um, didn't work out so well. <laughs> yeah, I checked it out. Yes. The, the now. The Now app, now yes. App. What was that about in one sentence? It was about um, meeting instantly for activities, not dating, but for playing tennis, uh, oh, yeah. poker, uh, going for a coffee, things like that. And um, uh, we, we figured out that um, uh, it's, it's, we, we dated hyperlocal, which was an attractive, very attractive topic at the time. But hyperlocal also often means that you're the only one hyperlocal, and uh, that's, <laughs> so, local, that's <laughs> yeah. not good. And that's not that funny, right? So um, you need to have a lot of people that you find somebody in the same place that is mm. interested in the same activity that you are, and you need to build those communities in every single city, and you need to have a lot of a, a lot of marketing that you can spend. Uh, so we, we learned we learned tons of things. So if anybody needs some advice in a in, in a hyper local meetup app, that we um, we have a lot of things that that we <laughs> learned the hard way there. But um, it was a lot of experience, a lot of learnings. But it just um, also it didn't really take off. And uh, also for us, uh, like I did that while I still did university. And it wasn't something that I felt, okay, I'm, this is what I want to do. Like, I'm super confident about that this is what I want to do. Yeah. And um, uh, that's about when, when this, when, when we basically had decided that we don't want to put any more effort into that, uh, I uh, was thinking that we could change things in, uh, in finance and in banking, because this was my, my area of expertise uh, too. And I just felt that there are a lot of people that uh, like get a, a product that is not very, very cool uh, for a price that is also not very, very good and that we could do that much better. So I, I've used to work in private banks and there are a, a certain clientele that uh, gets a personal advisor and those people uh, they get you know somebody sits with, down with them and talks with them what is good for them and their wealth and uh, it's it's not about like selling them a fund but it's about first figuring out what they need and that needs a, needs a person and that's why not everybody gets it because it's very expensive uh, so uh, we said okay why don't we do this for like people like us Right for uh, for people that are not a normal private banking client, but a normal human being that just has uh, like a couple of thousand maybe francs on the on the side. Yes. Then shall I just continue talking? Or, uh, um, you, sure. You ask question. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so so you do you offer the services of a of a private bank a little bit uh, when it comes to investing to people like you and me yes. who can't afford you know the the face-to-face -face, uh, consultant at the bank. Um, so you you do that with the software? We do that with the software, yeah. It's an online uh, online service. Uh, 
it's a, a digital advisor. So Selma is also the name of your digital advisor that you get. Cool. It's like a, a, a you can it's like a private banker in your pocket uh, <laughs> that um, helps you with all matters um, of of finance. So yep. um, that helps you figuring out should you even invest money, like if you should, how much, uh, when you know how much, um, how. And, and obviously, uh, we are also working on, on giving more advice also in, in other like finance related things. So, okay. so the, the whole solution sounds like a big, like a big solution, right? It's, it's a big, like a lot of functions in it, features. How did you figure out what to start with? Like, what was the first thing you kind of launched as an MVP to, to attract the first customers? Well, the first thing we launched as an MVP was a <laughs> that was not what we what we're doing now. We first launched um, a, a font search, so where you could find. We I said okay, people can't find attractive products easily, so we launched a, a font search where you could find ETFs online. And um, then I had this discussion with my co-founder, our designer, and she said, uh, like, I, this is very, I can make this look nice, but I still don't understand what it does. So <laughs> it's not really uh, like, first of all, what is an ETF? And what is this? Like, I can compare things here, but what is like, what is this? And I think that's when we started realizing that there is a far bigger problem here. So that there are a lot of quite clever people that can't relate with this whole world of, of finance. So it's not enough to make a, like a nice font search, but you need to start earlier and actually explain people what, what they should do. So um, the, the font search still works somewhere in the background of our product and helps us invest in a good way. Uh, but then the first thing that we built after figuring that out is the, um, the, the chat part uh, that chats with you as a client to figure out what, what is good for you. So it asks you, uh, how old are you? Um, have, do you have other investments? Do you have a house? Do you have a mortgage on the house? Yeah. Um, and, and then based on that, it, it figures out, should you invest or like, uh, when, you, when you easy case, uh, you know you have 10,000 Swiss francs, but you need to buy a car that costs 20,000 by the end of the year, uh, we basically gonna tell you it's not a good idea to invest those 10,000 Swiss francs mm. now. Yeah. Mm. Uh, because the time you have is not, is not long enough. So that, that so was the first function you built kind of like? That the chat to, to set it up, that was the... To figure out if you should invest something or not, or in how much you should Like to, to, um, uh, no, to, to figure out your, your personal financial situation, to have an, an information about how your overall situation looks like. So that's also the first thing that your bank should figure out, yeah. basically. <laughs> like, instead of coming and saying, okay, we have this uh, balanced fund, it's product of the month, yeah. and this month it only costs half the fee, they should sit down with you and figure out what, what kind of a person you are. Yeah. And, and obviously when you had this, uh, this first conversation, it can go, uh, when you're in our tool, it can go further. So uh, uh, Selma can ask you, okay, now we know your basic situation, let's, let's talk about this more detailed. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's really like an advisor in your it's, pocket. Yeah. It's yeah. like yeah. an advisor yeah. in your pocket, yeah. yes. So you, you mentioned your, um, your co-founder. Yes. Um, and I, well, while, while checking you up online, I, I saw that you're a remote team. 
Yes. Uh, you have you have people up north. Yes. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? How does how does the remote work work for you as a team? Uh, good in in general. Uh, we use uh, a, a platform to to communicate. We use Flowdoc, um, not Slack. Not Slack. Not Slack. We First use Flowdoc, but but uh, it's maybe also a bit because uh, one of my co-founder was a co-founder at Flowdoc before, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> might okay, be uh, yeah, might be happened. slightly connected. Yeah. But we're very satisfied with Flowdoc. Okay. That, is, that was for uh, Mikael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems to be good if you're still yes. working with it. So uh, all the communication goes through that. I think what's very important for us is that uh, everything is very open. So um, also uh, the emails we write, uh, all our investor communication, everything goes through this, um, uh, this service. Mm -hmm. So it's open for all the employees. But an exception from that is obviously the, the customer data that is protected. Yeah. So um, uh, there, not everything goes to the to the service, but all the feedback, everything gets shared. I saw that right away. You, you shared your Trello board. Yes. Uh, on yes. on the website, that was quite cool. Where you can see all the feedback. What what challenges and benefits would you would you say you have from this working remote? remote? Yeah. I think some sometimes it's um, well. Let me let me maybe start with the challenges. Uh, I think it's it's difficult when when it's maybe emotional or when you have difficult decisions. Mm -hmm. So um, you you can't really process feeling that well when you um, when you are sitting on a table. It's it's easier because mm -hmm. you can see facial expressions. You uh, you you basically feel the emotions. And you don't really feel emotions on, on Skype and on Google Hangout. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so how we solve that is that we have um, sessions with the team where we have all the strategy things and that, that we try to be together right. um, every, every now and then. So we have sessions together where we um, work on all our important decisions, setting up our goals uh, as, a, as a team. How often a year is that? Uh, th that's uh, like every every one to two two months. Yeah. So we we try to do it every month, but it's not always possible. Yeah. Also, the the team in Helsinki they obviously also work together, together. in one in sure. one place. Yeah. And then we have certain uh, certain rules. So um, like being remote also means that in our meeting everybody's remote. So like everybody logs in remotely to the meeting, that the remote yeah. person doesn't feel like uh, the remote. Yeah. Uh, oh, I see. Uh, guy. Yeah, that's actually a good hint. Yeah. So that's that's one of the things we do. Um, what what's obviously nice is that we can work from uh, from from everywhere. And right. That's one one thing that we do that helps us also um, working remote is we have um, walks in the team. So every second week, everybody walks with everybody for uh, like twenty minutes, half an hour. Totally non-business related. So you walk with someone in Helsinki. Yes, you, I like when I'm there. Call? When I'm I'm there, we walk together. Yeah. And when um, I'm not there, we have a call and walk together. Cool. How like, how did you come to that idea? And we we what? heard it, we copied it. <laughs> it's uh, we we heard that from another startup where they had that, and we found it cool, so we also started it. 
How, how, what did that give your team? Did you did you see any changes from before? Yeah, I think it gives this like connectedness, even though you're remote, mm. and it's it's nice to have information flowing because usually you'd have always the same channels. Mm. So I talk to the person, to the uh, maybe more to the other business person where I'm most related to, mm. maybe not so so much with our um, tech people or dependent on what we work on, and that makes sure that basically everybody tell, talks with everybody. And it's, um, uh, there is no agenda always in a talk. So you can um, uh, talk, I've been to, to Carnival yesterday or like whatever. Um, but also very often business related things might come up. Sure. So it's... That's really cool. Yeah, I've, I've never heard that. <laughs> cool idea. Yeah. I mean, we two basically yeah. do it sometimes as well, but we're only two in the team. So yeah, we yeah. do that. Vision, yeah. vision walks. Vision walks. Yeah. Vision walks, we call them. <laughs> yes. Sometimes it's not about the vision. Yeah. But yeah, we had, because we, we were working on, on Flink, the yeah. digital insurance, and we had developers and designers abroad in Serbia. Yeah. And so I was curious yeah, how you handled that. We didn't do those walks, but no. that would have that would have been nice yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, because then you actually get to talk to people you don't really talk to during a yeah. normal day. Yeah. And yeah. I think what's uh, still with everybody of us, everybody's part of the team. So we have no like outsourcing. Uh, it's Even though people work remote, everybody is part. Also means so far everybody that is involved owns part of the company. Which yeah. is, um, yeah. It makes you also connected in that sense. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, th I mean, so... We were discussing before the interview some parallels between what you're doing yes. now and what we were doing before at the insurance. And one big challenge for us was acquiring customers mm -hmm. because for insurance, you don't, you know, there's not a community that, you know, is passionate about insurance and that you can reach easily. So we were, we were asking ourselves, you know, in finance, it might be the same. How do you reach your customers? Who are your customers? So um, it's the same. So uh, reaching our customer is also one of the main challenges for us, uh, especially because this is a scale business, meaning you need to have a certain amount of customers before this, this actually yields returns. Um, what is important for us is that we try to actually make people interested in the product like you say banking is not very attractive right mm. what what relationship do you have with your um, bank account like none <laughs> with no. your half plicht versicherung maybe also not so much as long nothing happens <laughs> i had then, a very close yes, relationship to my insurance yeah, okay yeah, yes, but emotional. you work there that doesn't <laughs> doesn't count so much when you work there true so uh what, what we have with um Selma is that there is a contributor community around it and it's it's people that give us feedback uh, on the product we share everything first with them uh, we let them uh, do usability tests um, and it's interesting how many people actually are interested to give feedback when I told this to bankers nobody could believe that they ask how much do we pay and <laughs> and it's it's funny that um, People are interested to give feedback about those products because they want to use them and they see we do something about their feedback. Yeah. So it's a, a friend of mine told he gave some, like he told some buck in the internet bank to, to his banks and they haven't reacted for like, I don't know now, it's probably four years. So probably the, the last time he's going to tell them. 
yeah, yeah, tell sure. them something. Yeah, I saw uh, the page of contributors. You yes. you share their images, their photos, yes. and it's yeah. a you're scrolling through a page of pictures of people. Yes, and so really those cool. are the the people that helped us most, and that goes from um, uh, people actually telling us that we have a comma wrong somewhere or that there is a typo on the page uh, to people sending us mock-ups and um, really like, some. yes and uh, telling us how they would uh, would like to have certain things Wow uh, what we also do is uh, we do uh, something that's called wine and design so we have um, five to ten of our clients contributors sitting around the table and working on something with us that that then ideally goes directly into Selma. So yeah. you can go home and the next day you can tell your friends that you've been co-developing this. Nice. And especially in finance, that's uh, something that is quite new. unheard of. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that makes us special. Obviously, this also helps us with growth because people go out and tell. And talk about it. And, and, and talk about it. Yeah. On the other hand, it's, not, it's obviously challenging to... Uh, to, to spread the name as a as a new fintech startup where you actually have to pay money in, you need to have a certain amount of trust yeah. to know um, Patrick uh, is not going to... It's not, not going to rob uh, you. Uh, yes. uh, actually, I couldn't. That's quite important. I couldn't run even if I would like to. Yeah. It's not It's not a very attractive business if you would like if to you betray want. your customers. <laughs> <laughs> There's better ones, yeah. So, yeah, we were talking about attracting customers. Yes. Um, and we we remember from our experience, we did um, we did Instagram ads mm -hmm. with video, and um, how it always happens when you when you do something on the internet, there's positive reactions and there's negative reactions, yes. and we had those negative reactions, some trolls or some yes. some others, yeah. and. Uh, You've had some re negative reactions as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, on Reddit, for example, I've, I've read a couple of, of comments there. Um, what was the thought of going, of using Reddit, uh, the community of Reddit for, for doing ads? And more specifically, how did, how did you react to those negative um, responses? Uh, so, um, the, why we did it? It's mainly because we have uh, people in our team that are very active on Reddit themselves. And we found it's a place to get this honest feedback that we want. So we have a community there where we can show our product and uh, they would say us what they think, like in our face. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what they did. Obviously, people were uh, also distracted because I think actually we were one of the first um, doing ads on Reddit in Switzerland. I think now there there is others too. And you know how this is. If you're in a space and you're there and you see ads all of a sudden and you're not used to them, uh, you, you might feel anno annoyed. Nobody likes ads, me neither. Like nobody likes them. Nobody. And what we did is we were, I think we were very open to the, the people that approached them. We, we explained them that for us as a startup, it's just like, uh, first, our intention is to, um, to show the product to get feedback. And second, uh, for us, we need to do ads. Like, 
uh, uh, we also need to do them on on all the the online channels that are that are accessible because we we have a challenge with getting known and that means if there is a channel we we have to place ads there that's uh, true and explaining that uh, then from the people that reacted quite negatively in in the beginning um, at least some of them they were much more understanding after we explained them hey uh, we actually not doing this to to disturb you and we're just using whatever is there also in the beginning uh, reddit didn't really have like much uh, you know sophistication in how you can filter stuff but with other other platforms it means they're only showing like uh, an ad yeah like a certain time in a certain time frame right and they didn't really have that. So, so, uh, so meaning, people saw your ads they, every like, day. <laughs> like some, some of them saw it a lot. And also if some of you are listening this, uh, yeah, we are aware of that and we know it's, it's annoying. And it things we, we like to improve, but we have to work with what is available. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I read the, the comments and your responses and it really reminded of us of, of our what time you had. and yeah. also how you can really explain it and some people understand it. We yeah. also had the same situation with insurance. Um, but yeah, I really, yeah, I would have, we would have done it the same way. Yeah, I mean, really I think open. people are also very skeptical when there is a financial product yeah. because people are so used that they get ripped off with financial products because with, um, I don't know, maybe 95% they're right. Yeah. Like if there is an ad uh, about the financial product somewhere, people are very sensitive to that. Yeah. And it's a bit difficult because all the terms, they're already like nobody believes them anymore, right? When yeah. If you say you're, you're, you're personal and you're transparent and like, yeah. uh, I, I think you can only um, do that by, by proving it. So we right. need to prove that we are to our clients yeah. and they can judge. Um, but by just writing it, um, it, it doesn't really help because everybody has already written that on their yeah. image brochures like yeah. a million, million times. Yeah. Nobody believes it anymore. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So before we, you mentioned that your business only works in the scale kind of, like yes. if you scale yes. to, to yeah. like come to a positive mm -hmm. return on investment. How many customers do you need to have to actually break even? A couple of thousand. A couple of thousand, yes. yeah. And uh, is it like, how do you want to get there? Is it like mainly, is it just in Switzerland or is it different groups or? Um, at the moment, we are only available in Switzerland. Uh, for us, it's clear that we also want um, to go uh, to other markets. But um, for that, everything needs to work very smoothly. On, Switzerland so I, I think when you go to the street and even if you'd go to our let's say target segment maybe I don't know one out of 20 would maybe know us so it doesn't really make sense to uh, to go to an uh, to another uh, to another market and also when you look at uh, what you said at our roadmap what kind of feature requests or things that our um, customers and users want to have there is uh, quite some of them that we want to make happen to to basically say okay the, the main things are are in place for the for the customer yeah. um, and that means that we work that uh, the Selma bot uh, constantly becomes more intelligence 
uh, to make help you make better better financial decisions and that's not uh, complete yet so for that um, we we mainly work in in Switzerland now so I don't know if uh, if this part is going to if this part is too specific and if it's going to be in the final version but uh, we were really curious yes. um, because for insurance also uh, customer acquisition costs and lifetime value are, are quite uh, quite important well important for every every startup for every business <laughs> but, uh, yeah. we had a strong focus on that yes and so for our listeners, um, maybe to understand what those two are. So the customer acquisitions costs are the costs that you spend to acquire a customer and the lifetime value is the monetary value of that customer um, for the time that he is your customer. So mm-hmm. the longer he is your customer, the higher the lifetime value and the more he pays per month, for example, the higher the lifetime value. And so you need a ratio of probably one to three, one to three lifetime value. Um, and we had, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, it's it's nice if you have a subscription business that really increases the lifetime. How is, how is it looking, how is it looking for you? How long does a customer have to stay uh, at Selma for you to uh, to reach that ratio? Well, it, it depends a bit because we're charging on the, the amount of money that you invest uh, with us. So it would depend on how much you, um, how much you invest. So let's say I invest the, uh, Ten thousand, which is six francs per month, right? Yes. Let's say I invest that. Yes. So you pay um, seventy-two Swiss francs um, per per year. Per year. Uh, so now I need to calculate as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's just rough. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so what you you say that our um, our competitors they uh, pay between three hundred and 1,000 Swiss francs for one client. And we uh, pay significantly less than the, than the 300. So I, I can't really go into the specifics with the, uh, with the numbers, sure. uh, but uh, because quite a lot of our um, customers, they come through this community, it means that our um, customer acquisition costs are cheaper than what um, um, what uh, what the competitors have when you take the um, uh, seventy two um, for three hundred, then you're somewhere at five years, right? Right. So and we have much less than that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's about what I can say. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. You, s- sorry, I just missed the question. I want to ask now. Give okay, one second. Ah, yeah, sorry. You said that all the, the new customers at the moment come through these communities, right? Not all. No, um, no, no, no. But uh, like a bigger part, I'd say a bigger part than what our competitors have because they ha- don't have yeah. somebody but that comes through community. That's something you cannot keep up as soon as you start to grow more and scale, right? To a certain Is extent, I think we can, yes. Okay, Yes. cool. Yeah. So you count with that. Yes. I think it will, in maybe in percentage, it will decrease as more you, you scale. But um, for for us to work with, with customers and have this community around and also, I think, have a different vibe than um, the, the private bank in who we are with the product, but also with the events we do and like with everything that's part of our DNA. So um, uh, we actually count that we will have more uh, organic traffic is the is the right word, in in that, yes. And what what we're working on there is also that um, 
uh, we uh, implement more data into Selma. So uh, right now you have to tell your stuff to your digital advisor, right? You tell um, Selma, okay, I have a house, it's this and this much worse, or I have um, an account at Coinbase, whatever. Mm, yeah. And for some, and in the future for more of those things, there are actually um, APIs available. So there is data available that you can connect. So you don't have to um, um, have tell. to tell us. Yeah. Tell so us you can anyone. just connect uh, these other sources where you where you already gave information and exactly this kind of all feeds and that into feeds Selma. into your advisor that becomes with more data becomes more knowledgeable about your um, right. about your wealth situation and makes better investments and for, makes for your better case. investments uh, for you. Yes, that's cool. Yeah, you have a, you talked about your your DNA. Uh, we, I really like the that DNA. That it's kind of a fun. There's always a little bit of fun in, in it, and it, it feels not banky. So yeah, that's also what what we said. Um, you know, we we'd like to our advisor talks to uh, tries to talk to you about the things that you're actually interested in. So um, uh, about what is your life situation, maybe also what you care about. So um, things like. What do you think about weapons in your um, in in your portfolio, or how do you think about self-driving cars? Things like that that are actually interesting, but it doesn't really talk about uh, the beta factor of uh, of, a, <laughs> of a stock where you uh, where you fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's nice. So, I uh, I read up. You you got. Is it right that what Crunchbase tells me you got two rounds of funding? Uh, yeah, it's basically one. But it's, it's basically uh, one. It's basically one, but it's stretched into yeah. Well, anyways, congratulations yes. for Thank that. Um, not many startups make it that far. How did you find your investors, and how long did the whole process take? Uh, we found them mainly to, through a personal network, and. Um, it uh, takes quite some time. So I think especially if you look for people that help you not only with money and are also a fit for you, then you need to prepare to, to take some time. Right. Uh, because when you go through the process, uh, there is also uh, always people that you don't really want the money from. Uh, and if you are forced to take the money from people you don't want it from, um, it's not gonna end well. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you might be very closely like in uh, related with them. So uh, with some of our investors, we work very closely with them. And um, uh, if they'd be horrible people, it wouldn't be very nice, right? right. So um, could you could you walk us through? that process, you know, in, in a short amount of time, because, you know, it's a long process, obviously, but yeah. maybe how, how does it look like for someone who has never raised any money? So, so um, I think f first uh, you need to figure out what, what kind of investors you need for somebody that has never raised any money. And uh, meaning what kind of investors you need, you also need to be, um, uh, first you need to work yourself on um, like figuring out what kind of story you have to tell. 
So um, what, what stage are you at? What do you need help with? Maybe also apart from the money. So uh, f first, like, where, where are we now? And where do we want to go? And the money is only something that falls out of that, right? So you need the money to go um, to this next stage. That's your, your, investor, uh, your investor pitch. Uh, but you, you don't start with, okay, we now want it would be cool to raise a million and, and then you, you figure the rest out. And let's see what we make uh, with that and, million. Yeah, exactly. So, and when you work on your story, so um, you, you work on your pitch, you say, okay, this is our, um, this is our company right now. This is um, where we want to go. This is where we stand with, um, with our clients, uh, with our traction, it's called, right? So um, uh, then you already see what kind of investors you would ideally need, right? So do you need somebody that, that, that helps you actively? Uh, or uh, do you just need capital because everything is just already set in stone? Do you need um, uh, a, a somebody that helps you grow as fast as possible? Or maybe do you need somebody to figure out certain things in your business? And I think from there, you know what kind of, of people uh, you need. And this also depends on the, on the stage uh, of the company. And then you start, uh, you can obviously start looking, okay, um, in other companies when they were at this stage who invested in them is there um, you, you start reaching out to your network um, uh, you can also I think maybe uh, start to, to people that have invested a little bit later and let them refer um, people that might be good might be good for you I think something very valuable um, one of the uh, most valuable advices that I once got and that I'm going to give further is that in the end of every meeting, you should ask the person you have uh, talked to, like, who else should we, like, who could help us? <laughs> who else should we talk to? Yeah. And um, uh, that's uh, basically following this advice has make us, uh, made us meet our first investor. So, that's so funny because we do that right now with yeah. interviews yes. for our future customers. Yeah. And we do that every time at the end. And so valuable. It, it's super it's valuable so and it's very powerful because people like to help. So don't be um, don't be afraid. So our first uh, investor uh, came from somebody I knew. So I um, was out. I, I knew quite a lot of people in the investment business area, but well, I didn't really know how to start the investor process. Right? We had prepared our case. We uh, knew where we go, but it was still like more PowerPoint than code. And, and um, so I started reaching out to my network uh, also um, to ask them to challenge this. Mm. I think uh, you, you, don't, you don't need to go out and say, okay, I need money. It's not a good idea. So you, you go out and first you ask for advice. You ask people to challenge this. And when they find it's a good idea, they might, uh, they might help you. So you might not give, uh, get the money, but you might give, uh, get advice how to make this into a proper business case. And then when you ask for, um, uh, for contacts, you might get other people that can help you more. And then in the end, when you have all of this done, then you might figure out that some of those people actually also want to give you their money. Right. which is how it went with, with us. So um, with our first investor, we, we first talked a lot about the product and um, how he could help us and, um, 
uh, how we uh, like how we would build this together and if we're aligned in in where we want to go and and then came the the money question yeah i have a good i have i remember saying um ask for money get advice ask for advice get money twice yes uh, that's a good <laughs> I've never remember. heard that but um, <laughs> or it's a, a version of this yeah. Yeah. yeah so always go for advice because yeah. it's worth much more and the money might might follow if there's a fit you mentioned that it's important like what investor you choose right yes then you mentioned one thing that isn't like one characteristic you have to work with them afterwards so you need to like them somehow yes is there other things other characteristics where you said like okay they have this I won't take them or they do it like that I will take them I think when you meet them you kind of feel it right you know I, I think liking is quite a good there, there is um, people that are challenging but you still you know they, they bring you further and that's that's okay but um, I think maybe if you go um, like to a like if you be locked into a room for like three days and you feel okay that's uh, that's absolutely impossible with that person then you should or shouldn't take this person as an investor and if you and if you feel okay it might even be fun and we've had so much to talk about then um it's a good I, test yes i i think also in the talks we had with with our investors um that the questions they ask and uh, the challenges so you you get into this discussion right? right so if you feel it's it's just a one-way street and people want to like uh, rip you apart before you have even before they have even invested maybe you shouldn't do it right yeah yeah there needs to be a, a personal fit definitely do you have any other questions before the the big question. The big, the big question. Now we can continue with the big one. All right. Okay. So the big question is, <laughs> no, no need to be afraid. Um, what's what would you say was or is the biggest challenge for for you personally um, in that whole story of Selma Finance? Um. Well, I, I think that the biggest challenge generally in a, in a startup is that um, it doesn't always go up. <laughs> like it's not a, I mean, if you worked in a startup, you, you know that. You have days where you feel, okay, this is never going to work. This is all going to fall apart. This is an absolute catastrophe. It's a, and, but those days disappear. And you have to like you have a certain insecurity that uh, if you are an employee and your salary just arrives, you you don't um, you don't have that. So, and I mean, like uh, there is oft often there is nobody that comes and says, "Okay, Patrick, well done." <laughs> so um, you have to do that yourself, also as um, as the startup. Um, to, to this needs to be a part of your your uh, culture that you also celebrate your wins that um, and that you know also when things sometimes look black they might look far better a day a day later so and 
I mean, in my experience, uh, like the, the shit always comes in piles. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> meaning if, if something goes wrong, then there is a chance that a lot of things goes wrong. But at one point, it's also it's over again. And right. Then, um, and then things start to, to work very nicely. And then you and wait for the next pile. And then you, uh, yes, but then you're prepared for it to come. Exactly. And maybe then you jump, like it, then you jump through it instead of, uh, and then it's then it's easier, right? Absolutely. I, I wouldn't say you enjoy it, but... Uh, <laughs> Let's not go but, uh, <laughs> I just see an <laughs> image of a man jumping through a pile of shit. It's like, <laughs> so, so random. Is there anything specific you do in that, in those moments, in those really bad days, to get out of it? Uh, I think what's important is that you go back on the maybe on the bigger, uh, also on the bigger vision and what you um, what you actually what you actually do, and and that helps because sometimes you're, you know, like have this nitty gritty things and mm. um, I usually make this um, five year test. So I look at things and say, okay, is this gonna like, am I gonna be worried about this in five years from now? Or is this like, is it big enough? Is it worth my energy to, to be annoyed about this? Am I like, and when I say, okay, it's like, in, I'm maybe might not even be annoyed about this in a month, uh, then it's not worth it. Yeah. So um, uh, you, you have to, I think, go to, a, to another, um, to another level yeah. and like uh, try try to get uh, get a little bit out and look uh, at things from from above. Yeah, I have the ten 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 test. Is it is it gonna annoy me in in ten days, ten months, and ten years? Yeah, but it's the same. Same. Yeah, yeah. it really helps. Yeah, it's the same in theory because yes. uh, you realize it's not that big of a yeah. problem. Usually, usually, usually it's not. Yeah, and. I mean, there we have in, in our company the culture that things should come out as, as soon as possible. So, so if you, have, you mean when there's something not working yes, or it's you're annoyed by something? Yes, or things are, when it's something is not working, things are always communicated immediately. And uh, we also try to set an example there as, as founders. So if we um, fuck something up or <laughs> if something doesn't work, uh, we also communicate that like right away. So if, if we did something wrong and that's very human normal. And if those things like blow up earlier, then you can actually do something about it. Um, if things don't get communicated, then it might be too late to solve yeah. them. Do you have one big learning from your, from your experience as a founder? That you would like to share? I have a lot of learning. <laughs> the biggest one? Uh, well, I think for me uh, in uh, in the bank, I always thought, okay, I, I I must wait here until I have a great idea. And then if this great idea comes and drops from the sky, I don't know how this would have been happening. <laughs> I, I have to protect it and not tell it to, to anybody. And in my learning, it's the complete, like the complete opposite. Uh, so you need to you need to get started and then the most important thing is just to to get through so you just need to continue and you need to share your ideas and thoughts if, if you haven't developed a battery that is like um, 20 times better and really needs a patent then you need to 
share and communicate everything as openly as possible. Yeah. And if your competitor uh, copies you, then... Um, that's a compliment. Uh, that's a compliment, yes. That's a compliment. How do you get started, though? I mean, you hear that everywhere on, uh, online. You say, like, yeah, you need to share your idea, ideas. S still, a lot of people don't do that. But how do you get started? So, yeah, the idea doesn't fall off the sky. How, did, how would you recommend someone starts? I mean, we started, uh, as, as we did, we started with this font comparison, right? And then we started showing that to people. And even internally, we have people that said, okay, what is this? So, and then you take it from there. So you, so so you take I'm, a problem. You said, yes, you said okay, my, the problem we want to solve is it's really hard for people to find, find good investments. Good investments. Yes. So we're going to solve. Yeah, and then you yeah. build something small. And then you build something small. And uh, something small means it doesn't even need to be a software. It can be a, can be a, PowerPoint. Know, it can be a PowerPoint or a piece of paper or a drawing and um, uh, I mean then you uh, then you start asking people and uh, you you try to sell it to somebody if they if they say they're interested then um, ask them to um, to buy it then yeah. you see if they're really interested that's the best uh, test and then um, if they say they're um, asked to buy it then ask them to give you the money right away yeah <laughs> it sounds really really weird but that's how you should do it right because everyone's gonna say yeah I would pay Yes. Maybe 10 francs, but then you ask, okay, pay it now. Yeah. They don't do it. Most of them won't do it. Huh. No. So, do you have anything that you would do differently looking back? Uh, yeah, I think I do a lot of things differently, but on the other hand, it's also with the things you do... Um, like you you did maybe wrong or where you took a detour it's also the learning that comes with them so I, I don't know I don't really like to um, criticize decisions that you took in the past doesn't really help no it doesn't <laughs> you can't change the past you can, yeah exactly you can't change it and if you done it differently you don't know what the result would have been anyway right so, and you wouldn't have you might not have learned what you learned yes yeah it's so it, we we keep asking that question yeah. because I think we have a feeling that most founders have this mentality yeah. of not regretting mistakes. I think uh, it would I, slowly start to kill yourself if you yeah. regret every decision you did. No, then you couldn't past, decide, you know, and like. I think not being able to decide is the worst because you need to yeah. move forward. Yeah, I, I think what. Um, Maybe in some uh, things we would maybe be even more bold and even more courageous. So when you say, okay, like for, for things where you don't know the answer, the answer can also only come when you try it. Right? Yeah, so. exactly. So why are you hopeful for the future of your startup? Um, because I think we are building something that uh, creates a lot of value for for our uh, for our customers, and I feel ultimately when you create value, it will also be valuable for uh, for people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I could see that on the on the website as well, yeah, and also with the contributors that you were mentioning. And our last question that we always ask: mm -hmm. uh, What's the last book? Or vi that you read, blog post, or video that you saw, that you would recommend to any future founder. 
recommend to a founder. The last book I read was um, Steppenwolf from Hermann Hesse, but I think it was really, I'm not sure if I would recommend that. It's a bit weird. So <laughs> I haven't read it. I don't you know haven't read it? it? No. So, um, doesn't necessarily need to be the last but the la yeah yeah I've, I've ju I'm just thinking what was the uh, the best one I've recently been um, uh, reading a lot about OKRs because we have implemented them and I think they're very helpful what um, are what are OKRs for someone who doesn't uh, know that world they're um, like basically the how, how it works is that you uh, try to break the goals of your company down to to everybody so that you exactly know what your contribution is uh, to reach the overall company goal and that it gets visible how you contribute for for something bigger so for us it might be like a, that we grow the company to a to a certain uh, to a certain amount of clients and then you start okay how how are we doing that but then the responsibility, how you work on, on your individual goal is very much on your own. Um, which means you have a goal, but you're fully self-responsible how to, to reach that. Means it gives uh, people a lot of trust uh, how to do their work. And you don't have this like, what, what you usually have in a, in a bank, that you can't really take a decision because for every decision you have to ask your boss on, the boss needs to ask his boss and the, this boss needs to tell, uh, take it to a management meeting that will tell you that you need to have three other meetings before. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're saying that so beautifully. <laughs> That's how it is. Yeah. So, uh, and that gives, uh, you know, it means I think when you want people um, to think in an entrepreneurial way, uh, you also um, uh, need to have uh, the abil ability to make decisions. Like you can't just have responsibility and no, um, no ability to make decisions. That doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. So OKR, yeah, objectives and key results. Yes, I didn't say what so you mean. So you, you set an, objectives, an objective. Yes. For example, we want to grow uh, by 10%. Right, that's already too specific. We want to grow our customer base and then you define I don't know, what one, do we to, one to five, uh, five key results. Yes. Like we want to grow 10%. Yeah, and five of those. And then you also assign those to specific teams or specific people that are then responsible to to achieve those those key results. It's a very good, well, yeah, we implemented it uh, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Great tool. Quite easy to understand, yeah. kind of, and read through it and check yeah. it out. You should Google it. Yes. So uh, that's something I've been reading quite a lot about yeah. recently. Very useful. All right. That was it. Okay. Already Thank you done. So much, okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank oh, you so much for your time and for yeah, <laughs> and for sharing uh, all these, all these. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Special insights. Sure. And uh, all the best for Selma. Thank you. All the best for your um, uh, future interviews. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Startup Stories. If you want to revisit parts of the interview, check out the show notes and blog post on our website at nerdentrepreneurs.com. 
That's nerdentrepreneurs.com. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing to the show by clicking on the subscribe button in your podcast app. This shows us you appreciate our efforts and doesn't really cost you anything, does it? I'm looking forward to sharing our next episode with you next Monday, where I interview a founder focused on delivering sustainable clothing to your doorstep. Stay tuned and see you next week.